everybody. Welcome to the Broken Spokes Podcast. I am, as always, Captain Anybody. With me is the fantastic, the lovely, and the slightly, you know, spastic today, Clara Beard. Clara, say hi to the people. Why do you introduce yourself with your Twitter handle and not your real name? Because it's called a pen name, Clara. <laughs> I just call you Captain from now on? His name's <laughs> Kyle. Yar! <laughs> and who are we here with today? We are here with the international celebrity, <laughs> Casey Manderfield Lloyd, as the Red Hook Crit like to know her. But nowadays, she goes by just Casey Lloyd. But when she won the Red Hook Crit, she was Casey Manderfield. So we like to say both now. <laughs> Casey, do you want to say hi to everybody? Hello. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know, like I just said, Casey won the first edition of the Red Hook Criterium race in Brooklyn. Um, she's a absolutely fantastic crit sprinter, six-time national champion across how many disciplines? Um, three. <laughs> three disciplines. Okay. Thanks for being on the show, Casey. Um, Thanks. Good night, everybody. <laughs> I appreciate and, your time. Yes. Thanks for having me. What, um, so, Kyle, go ahead. We we missed one one significant point. You two know each other. We do. Yes. <laughs> I'll let you girls mingle now. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> what has it been? Uh, eight years? <laughs> yeah, since, uh, well, I don't know. I guess since you graduated, which would have been, oh, so, you tell me. So. <laughs> my, my little breakdown. Yeah. And I uh, haven't really talked to you since then. So um, it was good. Like I, we connected over Twitter like everyone does and <laughs> and she she Casey you told me about Red Hook Crit and I'm gonna be perfectly honest I had no idea what it was <laughs> no worries so uh, maybe we could start there can you uh, like for those who don't know everyone knows except for me I was telling all my my friends I'm like so yeah I'm having Casey on about Red Hook and they're like oh I know about that that's cool and I'm like why didn't I well you know I Whatever. Okay. <laughs> tell, tell everyone about Red Hooks. Probably has so, something to do with the fact that you live in Arizona and uh, not on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have an excuse. <laughs> I live in the desert. Right. Yes. yes. Um, so the Red Hook crit is um, basically, if you're familiar with bike racing, the best way to describe it is kind of a mix between a, a twilight crit and an alley cat race. So essentially it's... Um, a crit that takes place in the evening on a closed course now, um, but it is done on a track bike, so fixed gear, no brakes. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, as uh, the event started in 2008, and when it started, the first two years, it was actually completely unsanctioned and held in the streets of uh, Red Hook, Brooklyn, with no official street closures or anything of that nature. They're basically volunteers standing on the corners tr attempting to stop cars and buses. Um, and uh, that that's kind of how, how it all started, but it blew up very quickly. Uh, and as things in New York tend to take off, sometimes this was, this was one of them. And uh, by year three, they had to start looking into uh, permits and street closures and, you know, having a, a closed course and uh, making things a bit more official, if you will. Mm -hmm. And when, so you said the first, oh, and now they're all over the world. Yeah, it was, uh, oh, I can't remember what year it was. <laughs> that uh, Probably three or four years ago, it moved to uh, Milan. Mm -hmm. So Milan was the first 
international placement. And that was because uh, the organizer, David August, had uh, with the Bicycle Film Festival. And um, that kind of led to some folks in Milan wanting to put one on there. So that happened in Milan. And then since then, in the last couple of years, it's also started going in Barcelona. Um, the series this year is uh, Brooklyn at the end of March, as is tradition, and then we'll do Barcelona in August and Milan in September. Wow. And so, okay, so what kind of people enter Red Hook Crit? Is it open to everyone? Yeah, it is open to everyone. Uh, it's a multi-level race. So there's no, it's not like traditional bike racing where you have to have a license or be a certain category and you get placed into your group. Um, it's, it's really a free for all. Anybody can enter. You just basically have to get an entry spot, which at this point is relatively difficult. They sold through 200 spots within a couple hours this year. Um, so really it's just getting, getting your name on that registration list. And then you kind of have a mod podge of riders. You have messengers from the city or um just city street riders you have a couple of professional bike racers that race on the road sometimes you have a mountain biker or a cyclocross racer pretty much you know anybody that has a fixed gear bike that they can race in in the race uh is welcome to enter um in the past it was also co-ed uh, this year is the first year that there is going to be a separate women's race mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, obviously there's, that's a little bit of a change this year. Most of the women are entering the women's race and then, you know, but the men's race and the women's race similarly are anybody that wants to enter that, that has the equipment to enter essentially. So they don't have to be categorized or licensed or anything like that. Oh, and, um, sorry. I thought Kyle was going to say something. I love Skype. <laughs> <laughs> I, and what made like so you won the race um, when it there weren't categories. Um, I was looking at YouTube videos of your sprint, and, it, and this guy in the background is going, "The girl won! The girl won!" <laughs> <laughs> Which was awesome. And I'm like, "Oh, I got so you know, like, it kind of is it was awesome." And then so, what made you want to enter uh, in 2008? Um, well, I was kind of, I was drug into it. Really, is what happened. Um, so, uh, as you know, because we went to Lee's McRae together, mm-hmm. um, Hannah Trimble ended up at Lee's McRae, mm-hmm. um, and Hannah Trimble is David Trimble. I lost her. Sister. Oh. So, oh, hey, uh, Hannah needed a ride to New York for her brother's birthday, and are we good? I think we're good. I think so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it was getting a little. So anyhow, um, Hannah needed a ride to New York for her brother's birthday, and her her friend that was meant to take her failed, and so uh, she was telling me about this, and I kind of figured, well, I don't know, whatever, a fun weekend in New York and free place to stay. Uh, figured I would I would take that right, and uh, then as we're packing, Hannah tells me to bring my track bike, which I didn't think was a very good idea. <laughs> And, um, you know, basically I got wrangled into bringing the track bike and, you know, one thing led to another and then I ended up doing this race. So I really didn't even know it was happening. I didn't purposefully decide to do it. I just kind of ended up in the location and, you know, Hannah knew that I had a a track bike because I raced on the track. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I kind of stumbled into it in that way. And then, uh, 
you know, that, that was, that was that. Speaking of racing on the track. So that year in 2008, um, kind of had a good year in track. Uh, <laughs> you, you were a four time national champion that year, correct? Um, that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I may or may yes. not be sort of stalking you and looking at your your USA Cycling. So let's go with yes. Uh, <laughs> if that's what you're seeing, then yes. That's oh, right. oh, three. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Only three. Okay. Okay. And uh, so we were wondering, uh, that, you know, how does like a crit race on a track bike on the road compare to something like Scratch Race, which you won the national championship with, and you got second in the U23, or you won the U23 and got second the Cat 1-2? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How does it compare? The Red Hook yeah, race, like, a scratch race? I mean, uh, actually, it's it's similar in the sense that the format is you start the race, there's a dedicated number of laps that you're going to do, and you sprint at the finish, and whoever crosses the line first wins. So um, there are a few preems within the Red Hook crit, so there are a few intermediate sprints, mm-hmm. um, but there's only a couple. So it's not... You know, it it isn't like a points race in that way where it's continuous. Uh, So it's, you know, it's a lot like a scratch race in its format. It's just that instead of being on a a banked oval, um, you know, you're you're on a course that's uh, on the street with harder corners to turn around. Yeah, I can imagine that. I was just thinking about how hard it would be to ride a track bike (laughs) around corners. Um, (laughs) Well... I'm sorry. What? Ask how she became an organizer next. Kyle says, "How did you become the organizer?" Uh, so <laughs> we're so pro. <laughs> yeah, David called me. Break uh, it down uh, the third wall, Clara. <laughs> <laughs> um, David called me. I, I don't know. I guess a little over a month ago at this point, and let me know that um, they there were rumors of them starting a women's race, and he basically let me know that they they were going to have a women's race and asked if I would direct it just because, um, obviously I've I've been around the series for a number of years and I can answer anybody's questions, all that sort of thing. Um, so it was, it was a good opportunity and I, I decided to do it. Um, it was, it was a good move for me. I haven't been riding as much as I usually, usually am. And, uh, you know, I wasn't really planning on racing the races. So I was, I was happy to have the opportunity to uh be part of you know the the first women's event at the at at the red hook crit when you raced in uh 2008 uh how many women were you racing with and has that number increased um yeah i'm not entirely sure how many women were there that year because it was a much you know as much smaller group it was really just like a large birthday party gathering so obviously that was still the majority were male. Um, uh, you know, as you know, being a female in the sport, that's often the case, you know, there's the scale is more men to women. So there were definitely, I know like Hannah Trimble raised, um, there may have been one or two other women that were there. Um, and then over the years there have been, you know, kind of, I would say a handful of women or a couple of women that have entered each race. Um, or entered at least to go to, you know, into qualifiers. Um, they don't always make it through, but, um, you know, the numbers are small just because as, as the race grew, it also got more and more intimidating for the women to join in. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Um, and, you know, and we know that that's the case because there was demand for a women's race. And now obviously we've, we've opened up the women's category and we have almost 40 women registered. So, um, you know, we weren't seen anywhere near those kind of numbers previously when it was a co-ed race. And was the, and you, you offer equal prize money for both men and women. And was that, um, an issue to make that happen or was it, did it just happen organically? Like that, okay, we're just going to offer equal prize money or did you have to ask for it? And I don't know. No, it, it actually, I guess you could say it happened organically. I mean, I, I really didn't have anything to do with it basically from that first phone call when David called me Mm -hmm. and let me know that they were going to do a women's race. He was like, it's going to be, you know, equal prize money. I want you to help organize, you know, how many laps it's going to be, what the rules are going to be, how we're going to pull riders, you know, all that stuff. But from the get go, he's always said that it's going to be equal prize money. And that was largely facilitated, um, by all of the sponsors stepping up and being in support of there being a women's event. So, you know, right. Uh, Chanel is making a, the same, a custom bike for the women, just as they are the men, all the parts that are going on are all being put in for the women as well as the men. Um, any custom Timbuktu gear or Giro swag, all that's, you know, everybody's on board with, with making the women's race equal. And then we had a uh, hatch map, which is the app developer for the event, um, they actually, you know, from, to my understanding, basically called David up and were like, Hey, what can we do to make sure that the women are getting equal pay and, and whatnot? And so they're, they're kind of the primary additional women's sponsor mm-hmm. that's, um, allowing us to, you know, give equal pay to the women. So, you know, that was, that was huge as well. So, um, you know, but really it all just comes from great sponsor support and, um, David's vision of doing it that way, you know, I mean, that's, if he was going to do it, that's the way he was going to do it. And, uh, and that's what we're up to. So how did the organization uh, go down? Like I know, so it's March 29th and what day is it today? It's just less than a week away. Yes. My math is Saturday. (laughs) Uh, did it go smoothly? All the organization for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, just standard stuff, uh, logistics and getting folks registered, answering any questions anybody might have, mm-hmm. uh, passing all that information along to the team at the Red Hook Crit office who's really doing, you know, the bulk of the work. Um, I'm coordinating the women's race and I'll be the director night of just to, you know, have the rider meeting and all that stuff. Um, a lot of the work that I'm doing will come in. Um, you know, basically, I'll, I'll be in New York Thursday through Sunday helping with like prep all the prizes and have everything ready so that we can run everything smooth the night of. Um, and then, you know, for teardown. So a lot of my work will be then and the stuff leading in has just been a lot of, um, you know, interviews, podcasts, answering questions of riders of reporters, um, and, and organizing the rider information for the, the team at the office to publish online and all that sort of thing. You wear many different hats. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like. Go ahead. So, so has because in real life, I guess you have your background in marketing and advertising. <laughs> real life. In, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Not bike life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how has that helped with uh, you organizing this the women's criteria for the Red Hook? Yeah, I mean, I've done a bit of event 
promotion and organization in the past. Um, my husband and I have run some fun roller races in the winter that are pretty big and, you know, things like that. So I'm familiar with running events and event logistics. So that definitely helps because, I mean, you know, stupid things like where you should have porta potties because, you know, it's that <laughs> thing. Um, it sounds ridiculous, but night of when you're like scrambling around trying to figure out how the guys doing timing are going to like get over to the porta potties that are on the opposite side of the course, um, you know, it becomes an issue. Um, so just knowing a lot of those things and having experience with it, it definitely helps. You know, I mean, obviously I know what's going on with the race. I understand the format. Um, and I know what the flow of the night is already. So I don't really have to learn any of that. Um, we just basically are inserting the women's race um, between the 5K run that they do and the men's race. And it'll run the same as the men's. So, um, you know, my past experience with the event paired with, as you say, my, you know, my experience with um, running events and doing marketing stuff in the past, uh, you know, is definitely helpful. And, uh, well, well, one of the sponsors is uh, Rockstar Games for this, correct? Yes. Uh, how the hell did Rockstar Games get involved with a bike race? You know, that's that's probably a better question for David than me. Um, but they came on, I believe it was last year. Um, no, maybe two years ago now. Um, and, yeah, I think it was two years ago. And uh, I think they just have some, some guys uh, involved with that program as it is many times with sponsors in the cycling industry who ride bikes and love mm. riding bikes. And so they're passionate about it. And there's this really great event. Um, they really like the way that, you know, the red hook crit really goes into communities and tries to su support the communities. There's a lot of community support in red hook and they try to mirror that a lot, even in the other areas that they go into, whether it be, you know, Barcelona or Milan um, helping out a lot of the local businesses and all that kind of thing. Um, and so, you know, Rockstar thought it was a cool event and um, decided to become a sponsor. I didn't have anything to do with any of that. So, like I said, I can't really speak to that. That's more of a David question as far as um, how that really came about. But, um, you know, there was, there was obviously a connection there within the cycling community. And then from there, I would assume it went like normal where the Red Hook Crip puts together a sponsorship proposal and, you know, lets them know what things look like. And then Rockstar Games decides what, what kind of budget they're going to, um, you know, put into the events. And you have, I know we just, you just mentioned this events in Barcelona and Milan. How did they, the organizers choose those locations? Um, well, Milan, uh, was because David was involved with the bicycle film festival. Mm -hmm. And so the bicycle film festival runs in, you know, all over the world, in various locations. And, um, Milan was one of the locations that it was running the original year that we had it there. And so, uh, David had been chatting with some of his buddies from Milan and, you know, they were like, Oh, we want to run one of these races. And, so they helped to find um, the site and everything where it would be run and, and whatnot. Um, and then we actually ran that race in conjunction with the Bicycle Film Festival when the Bicycle Film Festival was in Milan. Mm. Um, so a lot of the crowd and stuff that we drew out were, were folks that were in town already for the Bicycle Film Festival, right? Um, and, and that's kind of how that started. And to be honest, uh, I don't really know 
where exactly the connection was to choosing Barcelona as the next edition. Um, I do know that they have uh, some great support there. They have a, a guy in Barcelona that's actually been here in New York helping organize um, the Red Hook Crit Brooklyn. And he's an integral part of planning because, you know, it's, it is very important to have somebody on the ground in that location for an extended period prior to the race mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that, you know, um, everything can come off without a hitch. Well, what about Red Hook itself in Brooklyn? How did that come about? Um, so the race started as, uh, like I said, Hannah needed a ride to her brother David's birthday. Oh, right. Uh, basically, David just, uh, he, well, as he put it, which I think is kind of comical, if you know bike racers, um, you know, he basically created this bike race for his birthday because he said that that's the only way he could get his friends to show up was if they had a chance at personal glory. <laughs> so, um, so <laughs> All their chance at personal glory by, you know, putting on this bike race. Um, and uh, and that was just, you know, that was how it started. And then, you know, it was year two and he decided to do it again. And it was pretty apparent at that point that, um, you know, that this thing was becoming more than just a couple friends riding around in the street for his birthday, right? Um, <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, but yeah, it really all just started as uh, David's birthday party, <laughs> <laughs> which might be why it goes to Milan and Barcelona because that seems like it's a great place to have a birthday party as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it does. It does. <laughs> well, I, go ahead. As I'm looking at the after party details <laughs> on the website, mm-hmm. so. Uh, Speaking of which, uh, what kind of after-party details are there? Because I know uh, when I think of after-party at a bike race, I think of, like, foam party at Cross Nationals. I think of God knows what's going to happen <laughs> I think about a bunch come. of awkward cyclists staying around and not really doing anything. <laughs> but this is in New York City. And I feel like this is a little bit more fun. It's not like we're in, like, Louisville, Kentucky, and we got nothing to do. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I actually do not know where the after party, I mean, so I'm not as clued in on that stuff because I'm going to be there, right? So I'll be going wherever we're going. I know that we have the pre-party, um, which is taking place at, I think, Slide Luck or something like that. And they're doing uh, bike-themed art stuff involved with that show. So that'll be cool. That's on Friday night. Um, but there's always a bunch of great stuff. In the past, there was usually a, a race, a pre-race dinner on Friday night that, you know, basically a lot of the sponsors are at, some of the riders, um, people that are involved with the event, and then just some of the community as well. So, you know, that'll be same, same this year. It's not going to be a dinner in that format, but it'll be this bike-themed art show and then, you know, drinks and food. Um It'll be the same thing. A lot of the sponsors and all that sort of thing will be around and we'll all just kind of hang out and, you know, speculate about who's going to do what on Saturday. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then in the past, like last year, they they actually had the post post race party at kind of a warehouse space. It was across the street from the from the race track on the pier. Um, and you know, I don't know, it was like you would expect a New York party to be, there were beer tables and you could go grab beer and they had a big old sound system in there and there was dancing. Um, and you know, people were hanging out and talking and, uh, you know, whatever, I guess you would have your fair amount of awkward bike racers, but there are a whole lot I didn't of mean, I meant that so affectionately. Yeah, no, no, I, I 
totally, I'm totally with you. Okay. <laughs> so I felt like, oh, that was mean. The event, the event brings out a lot of New Yorkers as well. So those people, when they go, you know, they come out to the race for the party, whatever, they're kind of, you know, it's the whole thing is a party for them. Um, and they just watch this race, this spectacle going on, and then, you know, make their way over to the after party where there's music and drinks and um, dancing. So, you know, a lot of the racers are kind of tired to really feel like throwing down on the dance floor. Um, but there's there's plenty going on. And you mentioned spectators. I When I was looking at the YouTube videos, it seems like you aren't hurting for spectators at all, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah, the that's one of the one of the things that makes the the race one of my favorite races because um you know, I mean, you get decent well that's why I like Twilight Crits as my second favorite races, right? Mm-hmm. Because you actually get a crowd. Um and and that makes it more fun to me. I like that entertainment aspect. Uh so the crowds of these things are are phenomenal. Um I mean, this basically at this point the pier is is packed 100% around the whole course four to five people deep, thousands and thousands of people. You're essentially riding through like a sound tunnel the entire time. Um, So it makes it really a unique uh, experience. I mean, for most of these riders, um, this and or the crowds in Milan and Barcelona will be the biggest crowds that they ride for all year. Um, And, uh, and that's, you know, I don't know, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, it definitely doesn't hurt the atmosphere. It, it makes it a, a pretty fantastic event to be at. Well, well speaking of fantastic event, if uh, someone's not able to be part of that five deep crowd around the whole course, how can someone, say, in, like, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, follow this race? Um, well, actually, you can download the app on your phone. Which is uh, let me make sure I have this right. I think it's Race Day. Uh, yeah, it's called the Race Day. It's like Red Hook Race Day app. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can download that app on your phone, and you can actually even follow throughout the day. Like qualifiers start at one thirty, and as qualifiers happen, the app is live updates of who's the fastest lap. So you can kind of see like when you look at that before the race you know, who the top 10 fastest lap riders are, which is a pretty safe bet that, right, some of those mm-hmm. top 10 riders are going to be on the podium, right? Because they're probably the strongest. Um, so, you know, that's kind of cool. And then you'll be able to follow that throughout the race and it'll show you kind of like who's in the lead or what's going on. Um, other than that, that I know of, we don't have, uh, you know, live filming happening right now as far as like having some sort of um internet stream where you can actually see the race um but will there be a live tweeting during during um i am not sure to be i don't know if we have somebody actually live tweeting um because we do have a fairly small management team um so everybody's pretty busy with like timing and organizing things and making sure everything's going properly there but you can usually get a whole lot of you know hashtag red hook crit um you know because of the app integration and everything else there there's a lot of people interacting with their phones as things are going on so if you just follow the hashtag you kind of get a whole lot of what's going on from from everyone around the course 
It seems, I know I'm totally changing gears right now, but I was thinking with all the different mix of people on fixed gear bikes, is there any strategy? It just seems very chaotic to me. <laughs> how does yeah. it, like, how, what were your feelings when you were racing for the first time with, um, like it, was it just like, I would have been shocked. <laughs> that was... well, in 2008, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not racing for the, yeah, <laughs> 2008. Well, that, um, well, my feelings were that I was terrified. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, that's, I mean, um, essentially, I mean, I came from a very different place, though, than most of the riders that were in that race. You know, most of them were um, guys from New York City mm-hmm. who rode their fixed gears around the city as a way of transportation, right? Um, so, obviously, you know, riding around this course um, with corners was really no big deal. I mean, they're used to dodging, you know, heavy traffic in New York City on a fixed gear. Um, and, you know, myself, as you know, uh, came from track racing. Um, I had never ridden a track bike, even a track bike with brakes, let alone a track bike with no brakes, um, on anything but a velodrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the idea of riding around, um, on the streets of New York, around hard corners and through chicanes and around potholes and over a cobblestone section, um, along with cars pulling out of their parallel parking and buses coming by was, you know, pretty terrifying. Uh, at one point, I, you know, I knew that I didn't know what I was doing, but as you also know, I'm ridiculously competitive. And so, you know, uh, somehow I just convinced myself that even though I did not know what I was doing, that I was not going to get dropped. Um, I, I, I figured that with the fitness that I had, I had the power to be with them. I just wasn't so sure that I had the technique, uh, or, or the guts to be with them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, just because it's a very different different, uh, feel, but I, I figured if they were going around the corner at that speed, uh, and that angle that I probably could too. So I basically, um, you know, just rode myself into the race and then, and then tried to figure it out from there, which was terrifying. I mean, I was really, really frightened for at least the first half before I started to kind of get the feel of what was going on. Uh, and then at that point, you know, even still, we had a carpool out at one point and everybody that I was, we were already in a separated group. So I don't know, there were five or six of us. Um, and they all started skid stopping and I, I had no idea what that even was. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, what the fuck is going on? The backs of the bikes are sliding around and they're slowing down really quick. Right. And, uh, Why? So, yeah, that would have been the same. So like, what? Yeah. So, I, backpedaled really hard and I mean I really thought for sure that I was like headed into the back of them right I was like oh this is not going to be good when I take one of these guys out because I don't know what I'm doing right mm-hmm. um and uh somehow I slowed down fast enough and they started moving forward again and I'm like sitting there trying to figure out what it is that they just did right um <laughs> And, uh, and of course, you know, after the race, I, I figure out that like, this is how these people ride fixed gears with no brakes around the city. They throw their body weight forward and lock their legs up and the rear wheel skids. And, uh, you know, so, um, I did practice that a little bit after that event before going on into the others, not because it's not, it's definitely discouraged. And there isn't a whole lot of that that goes on at the race anymore mm-hmm. because it's so controlled and you're, 
you know, you're not dodging cars anymore, right? Um, it's a closed course. So you don't have that same element of the unknown. But I still wanted to learn how to do that so that if something happened in front of me that made things slow down really quickly, I wouldn't be totally shocked and have the back of my bike bucking all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely it, it's scary in that way. Now it's less scary because it's more controlled in that sense. Um, but it's definitely still an adrenaline rush. And, you know, that big crowd we were talking about earlier also just there's a lot of hype and it, it makes you feel more pressure. Right. Um, and you want to do really well because there are all these people here to watch you. And I mean, how often do we have that kind of crowd at a bike race? Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it's definitely different. And to your point of them being different ability levels. Um, you do start the race with a lot of different ability levels, but the format that we use now where we have a qualifier and then you're placed on a grid by your fastest lap time, Mm -hmm. um, that really grids everybody out. You know, the fastest top 10 guys get on the front line, then the next 10, then the next 10. So you kind of start where you already belong for the most part. Um, and then as people get lapped, they pull them. So really the majority of the time, you're riding with riders that are around your same ability level, right? They were either able to make, make the lead group or they weren't. Um, and, and that makes it relatively smooth at this point. Cool. And you were talking about, uh, the whole thing with getting women involved and you were terrified. I mean, it's, but it, but it was a new experience for you anyway. I guess it's, it can be a new experience for, anyone really this is their first time but um because it's so unique but how when you were organizing this the women's race um did you have women expressing like asking you questions about how to do it or anything like that um yeah i've had some questions about um you know gearing what kind of gearing would you recommend mm-hmm. um you know things like that and then i've also posted in a few different articles like just different things to keep in mind, like to ride a reasonable gear and to keep your bike perpendicular to the surface so that you don't hit a pedal in the corner because you're obviously not holding your leg up. Um, you know, things like that. Um, and for the most part, you know, it's as terrified as I was that first time. Um, most of these women have at least been practicing on a fixed gear or they have ridden fixed gears around the city, um, that kind of thing. And it is also quite different now in the sense that um, that first year would have been a whole lot different if it was on a closed course uh, where there was no traffic, no cobblestones, no, you know, all the rest of that stuff. Now we have a really well-lit course. It's, you know, there's barricades around the whole thing. Um, It's smooth pavement. You don't have to worry about looking for buses and cars and pedestrians and things jumping out that you're not expecting, um, which is really what caused most of the problems, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We're just like unexpected obstacles of some sort. Um, And now you don't really have those unexpected obstacles. So it's, it's a lot smoother in that sense. And nonetheless, it's still a different style of race. Um, But you know, when it really comes down to it, all the women that have entered are are pretty keen to do that or they've been to the race before and they've see, they see the crowds and they think, you know, it would be super cool to race in this event. Um, and, and they've signed up. So I have gotten not that many inquiries about people being 
really frightened, more or less just preparation mm-hmm. questions, right? Yeah. So any talk about doing the same thing um, for other series races besides or in the different countries? Women's crit? I've got, I'm going to start that question over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was confused. <laughs> Oh, help me. I was, I was asking if there's any, um, in the future, uh, is are the organizers thinking about doing women's crits for the other series races as well? Yeah, there. as far as this year goes, we plan to do women's race at each event. Okay. So, um, it is planned as a women's series, so starting with uh, Brooklyn and then moving to Barcelona and then Milan. So oh, there are okay. plans for... Um, there will be a women's race at both of those events this year. So there'll be three women's events, just like there are three men's. Cool. All right. Now, is there a, is there a series champion for this race? Yeah. There is. Yep. Yep. And, uh, well, well, what's the series prize versus individual prizes for the, for the riders? Uh, Kyle's, Kyle's no. thinking about training up for it. What was that? Kyle's thinking about training up for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we did it. We did actually have a guy register for the women's race. I was like, uh, 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 clever way to try and get in. But um, yeah, the, the men's race filled up so fast. I figured he was like, well, whatever, I'll just sign up for this and then show up or I don't know, whatever they, they, they handled it. Um, but uh, in any case, um, you should have just let him race. See if yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I actually don't know if they have come, if they, have solidified what the exact final prizes are. So I, I can't speak to that. I'm sure that'll be um, publicized at some point, but um, there will be a series winner. I don't know exactly what that involves as far as uh, cash or prizes. Oh, cool. And it, well, well, I want to ask because uh, the qualifying, I want to make sure I got this right. Is it, is it like a individual lap and everyone gets an individual lap and it's kind of like a time trial before to figure out how fast you are? Is it a group qualifier? It's a group qualifier. So basically there are um, approximately 50 people allowed on the course at once. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically the everybody's broken down. So like the women only have one qualifier. Um, and the men have like four or five qualifiers because they have more, more guys to weed through. Um, but essentially each qualifying session is 20 minutes. So whenever your session goes off, you have 20 minutes to ride around the course and – the fastest times, your laps are all being timed. And then whichever lap was the fastest within those 20 minutes is what will place you on the starting grid. So basically you go out, you ride around, you get a feel for the course, and you put in a couple of hot laps during those 20 minutes, right, mm-hmm. um, as, your, as your timed laps to try and get the best spot you can. Um, and, and that's, does, does that make sense? Do you get that? Yeah, it makes total sense. Is there any, is there any gear restriction? Could you have to ride the same bike that you're riding qualifier as you do in the actual race? Cause to me, it seems beneficial to run a little bit more of a, uh, grinded out power gear in the qualifier to try to run a fast hot lap and then something that you can spin up real quick in the actual race. Yeah, it's um, they. You can do whatever you want. You can even go. We have a, a section where you can even go into during the qualifiers and change equipment if you want to. Um, now you only have twenty minutes, so you know you got to be pretty quick. But um, you're welcome to use whatever gears you want. There are no gear restrictions at all within the race. Um, it it's just. I mean, well, I shouldn't say without 
you know, they they do say like ridiculously large gears are not allowed um, as part of the technical inspection. They are inspecting bikes this year to make sure that everybody has a lock ring and the chain tension is acceptable and, you know, all those things just to kind of like give us an extra safety barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can ride whatever you want. And to your point, um, that that may or may not be beneficial. It depends on how big you go. I mean, you still have to... You know, essentially this course is you go out and you have two left-hand turns that are not super tight, but they're kind of back-to-back. So you have to slow down a little bit for that one. And then not far before the finish, you have like a hard 180 that you have to put the brakes on for and and then kick out of. So mm-hmm. it may be beneficial, but it's it definitely people really have to weigh that because you not only have to repeatedly slow the gear down but then you have to repeatedly kick it as well so Mm. there's definitely a happy medium there like if you ride too big of a gear um even in qualifiers you'll you'll just fry your legs you really won't go any faster it's not um it's not like on the track where what you're saying would totally make sense Mm -hmm. Um, so but uh but yeah i mean everybody gets to uh make their own decision Cool. Now, now, how long is the course? Because I'm looking at it, and I, I don't have any sense of the length of this great course. Um, well, it's the women do 18 laps, and that's 24 Ks. So okay. it's uh, a little over a K. Okay. And uh, for that hard 1A, because I'm looking at the race map now at redhookcrit.com. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone wants to go there and find out more about the race. And that hard 180, that that is no joke. I'm looking yeah. at it, and that, that looks like it's, I don't know how many meters is from the finish, but out of that 180, is that the deciding sprint right there? Oh, definitely. Um, that's that's definitely something to be considered as you choose your gear. It, you know, even if it's okay for the rest of the race, like you need to be able to kick your gear against whoever you're racing coming out of that corner to to the finish line because, as you can see, um, it is not very far to the finish line after that corner. So, uh, you know, you can't. If somebody's in a smaller gear and they can kick harder than you, you really better be able to get on top of your gear and move in really fast if you want to get them. Okay. And, and while we're talking about course, since I, I unlike Clara, I have followed the Red Hook Crit for a couple of years now. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. So how am I more legit than you? This is not right. We're in backwards world. Um, so I, well, go ahead, Kyle. It has the because uh, you you know have a life and I don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the course is it changing every year because i mean you only can only do so much in brooklyn is yeah it, that course I, is really stays the same for the most part um it has changed very slightly uh over the first couple of years just in the way that they uh like make the course curve basically um <clears throat> and use some of the the terrain there but it's generally been the same i mean that 180 that you see there has always been there it's always been that same spot it's always been the same 180 and then some of it going out to the other side um just the way you kind of make that first right hand curve um that's changed a little bit over time um and other than that they've they've just really uh made small adjustments like in the past the barricades that block people off have kind of made your 
turn a little bit blind sometimes. So mm-hmm. this year we've knocked the barriers back a bit so that the crowd will be pushed back a little and then we're using cones to cut the corners so that all the riders can see over that, right, and see through the corners. Um, so just like little tiny safety things like that um, are, are being changed. But for the most part, I mean, you know, we're running this on a pier in Brooklyn. So to your point, yes, there are only so many ways to configure this on this given pier um, there in Red Hook. Yeah, because I remember a few years ago there was uh, some controversy of someone's parking lot was involved in the course and they were not happy about this. So I think there was some last minute course changes or am I am I thinking of the right thing? Um, I don't I'm not really sure because uh, I mean that that could have been possible in like 2009. And back, maybe I'm thinking that far back. Yeah, back when they had it on the on the open roads because ever since they've started, I mean, they literally rent the whole pier. So okay. essentially we have that entire pier to use. Um, so as far as the race course is concerned, um, all of that's like very drawn up ahead of time, all pre-approved and, the, you know, the pier is rented. So um, I'm not familiar with the instance you're talking about, but it may have been something that was an issue in 2009 um, when it got a little bit bigger and it was still, you know, on the streets and unsanctioned. Yeah, I, I think I'm dating myself a little bit here and <laughs> going back and, rem- and, well, thinking that things happened more recently. But while right. we're going back in time. Segway. Uh, <laughs> Segway. <laughs> We completely skipped over what I was hoping to get on is how you two met. And uh, it's not Clara, about me. Clara's sigh of disapproval makes me so happy. Well, uh, Kyle, it's not about me. This is about the race. Yes, but not every guest on this podcast has actually like lived with Clara <laughs> and, and known her. And no, not every guest has met Clara, so uh, I feel like we should let the audience in a little bit. Kyle hasn't and, even uh, met me. <laughs> no, no. In case if you don't know this, uh, you know Clara lives in Arizona. Yeah, and yeah. She I live here, and we've never <laughs> actually met. We kind of met over Twitter, and then one day, Clara, perhaps half drunk, said, "We should do a podcast." I don't drink. Nice. Very yeah, nice. Okay, maybe I was half drunk on that situation. <laughs> Gotcha. Oh. It's called revisionist memory. <laughs> I, if I remember correctly, uh, Claire, correct me if I'm wrong, but we I don't met. See, I don't know. That's why I sighed. I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna ask, and I'm like, I yeah. I can't well, really remember. Well, should I tell what Clara told me, and then you can correct and fill in? No. Okay. Yeah, that'll be entertaining. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, no. oh, oh, goody. <laughs> uh, I I'll just say I I thought it was uh, at track nationals. Yeah, it was at track nationals in 2006. Because you were there with uh, Winger and went, yes, and uh, and I was by myself, and that was when I learned of Lise McRae, and then um, and then we talked via email after that, and Clara basically, you know, set me up with talking with the Lise McRae coach, and uh, and then obviously um, the following year I ended up at Lise McRae. So did you ever think, you know, like I really just loved track racing so much and crit racing and going to Lise McRae uh, with all those climbs I was just like what? um did you feel like that kind of like you lost your speed I think I remember talking to you about this because we're always climbing and not um doing anything else yeah, yeah. um I don't know 
Um, I think that, well, I mean, one of the reasons I decided, well, there were a lot of reasons, I guess, uh, the, the whole thing of like, you know, leave your comfort zone, go out of school, out of state kind mm-hmm. of thing was appealing. Um, I really thought it was gorgeous there. And I actually went partially because of the climbing because, uh, it was one way to force myself to uh, actually climb. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Maybe I just was lazy. I'm like, no more climbing. <laughs> yeah. You know, if I had the option, if it was like, oh, I could go climb those hills or I could go, you know, nine times out of 10, I'm going to go the flat route. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, me um, too. <laughs> so, so, you know, um, in that way, I thought that it would be really good to build, to build my like strength and my base in that way, which, you know, obviously I was very new to cycling at that point. So that was a, a good thing for me. So, I mean, you know, to your point, yes, sometimes it got old. And I think the only way that I was able to hang on to speed was by, unfortunately, riding the rollers, mm-hmm. um, which was, you know, sometimes it would seem so stupid. It would be a gorgeous day. And I'd be like riding the rollers on the deck um, to do like cadence intervals or something. But um, at the same time, sometimes that seemed like a better alternative to uh, <laughs> climbing some of those mountains. <laughs> I love uh, that you two seem to loathe climbing as much. <laughs> well, you don't have to worry yeah. about that in Florida, do you, Kyle? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, uh, I think the biggest climb I've ever ridden is about 50 meters. Yeah, you should go hang out in Banner Elk for a couple yeah, months. Yeah, should. <laughs> oh, oh, maybe. When our recovery ride was actually going over a climb. Yeah, well, that's exactly what I realized. What I realized was that for a long time there, I was trying to use that little pass as my recovery ride mm-hmm. and I was like all right well you know what I am not like made of toothpicks like Scott Stewart and Brent Bookwalter so I need to ride the rollers for my recovery rides because this is not recovery like whatever that was eight percent grade or whatever it was it felt like a real oh, big gosh <laughs> you probably figured that out earlier than me I I, I don't know I, I was I think now when I look back on it I was trying to morph from something into something else like I really wanted to be a good climber and yeah. then I, <laughs> I guess that really never happened <laughs> I don't know <laughs> who knows but yeah. I, I don't know I just uh I mean it's definitely not my forte I don't see anything wrong with working on it but I eventually realized I think I was just uh was burning myself out by trying to mm-hmm. use even that's you know the that was a decent grade, that recovery ride. <laughs> so and it never really was, was it, when you're going out with a, a 20-year-old uh, boys <laughs> of a climb? <laughs> well, even if, no, even if I went by myself, it yeah. didn't matter. Like, it was still like the tension that had to be applied to the pedals was still so much different than, you know, and I was, I was still so new to riding that I needed – I needed a more true recovery, which yeah. led to the rollers. And uh, at times that just seemed obnoxious, but, um, you know, it, it, it worked a lot better for me than, uh, than trying to use climbing as a recovery day. Yeah, totally. That's yeah. Yeah. Like I said, that was, that was tough. Like, Cause I was, that was the, um, most gentle climb around. Yeah, it was. The only other option was to drive 20 minutes down to 19E. <laughs> yep. Because uh-huh. if you rode there, then you had to climb back up that big old mountain. And then <sighs> defeated the whole purpose of going somewhere flat. <laughs> I uh, This is bringing back a lot of memories because I haven't heard anyone say 19E in maybe seven years. <laughs> exactly. 
You know what I saw it though? I saw a post on Facebook the other day of like a big old group going out to 19E to do TTT practice. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, good old 19E. <laughs> <laughs> sort of flat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. De- define sort of flat because my idea of flat is the legitimate C level. Maybe you'll kind of have to pedal a little bit hard. <laughs> Well, how did it go? I, I kind of remember the route that we would take, but I remember it not being totally flat, but it was flat enough. Right. There were just a few, I think there were a few, and I don't remember it that well either, but like a few false flat sections. Um, but it was certainly degrees less than than the Hickory Nut ride. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh but yeah, anyways, one of these days I'm going to get back there and ride because I really did love it, but I just haven't made it back yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> well, well speaking of, uh, well, I actually want to say, because, well, you said you're getting into, uh, your, you were new to cycling at that point in time, but you were, were you riding for Oakland University before then? Yeah, I rode a year um, there because I was, I basically started riding in 2005 and um, that was the year I started college. Uh, at Oakland University, and then in 2006 was when I went to track nationals, which is where I met Clara. And so, she had a very cool black skin suit, I remember. Oh! oh. Well, you remember correctly, it wasn't a skin suit. Oh. <laughs> this is how good my memory is. If something was black. <laughs> yeah, it was black shorts, and then it was, it was uh, I kind of had a fake club that I rode for that was like through the triathlon club at OU, and so I actually had like Under Armour shirts that were like like painted with like fabric paint. As, <laughs> okay, well, I remember it being very cool. So. Yeah, yeah. So See how cool that, that was. Yeah. Uh, you need to bring that back. Because <laughs> now yeah. Castelli is doing something similar to that. I mean, you could. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad cool. you remember it as a skin suit, though, Claire. I mean, my disguise was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, memory is so bad. <laughs> remember what we talked about two days ago <laughs> no I, I don't <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. probably you don't listen to me when I talk that's besides the point no not really but hey uh, when can I or what not when can I but when can Red Hook have a criterium in Phoenix I don't know you think you can rally enough uh, <laughs> ear riders I don't know I don't know if it's the, um, I don't know I'll, I'll think about it and see if is there the vibe there? Does it have the vibe or like? I was thinking know. about the vibe. I, I, you know what? I've never seen any bike messengers in in Phoenix, so probably, probably not. Yeah, I think we'd probably go like. I mean, I'd actually like to see them expand more, um, in the U.S. even too. But you know, like Philly, Chicago, San Fran, mm-hmm. I like feel those like L.A. Do. You yeah. know, that's, that's what's coming. Austin. Those are the ones that are like coming to the top of my mind where I know they're like mass numbers of riders that would do it. I mean, at this point, people are obviously, I mean, we have the men's field has, they have like over 14 nations attending. So like, you know, people come in from all over the place to do it. Um, but you, it is also nice to have a local base of riders as well. Um, and, and just that following that community to, to come out and spectate as well. Right. 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 So maybe not Phoenix. <sighs> Fine. Well, you go in New York, Barcelona, Milan, Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. 
<laughs> I need to move. <laughs> and I don't even live in Phoenix. Oh, wow. No. Well, yeah. Well, Miss Casey, um, we wanted to thank you so much for being on the podcast. You're you're absolutely lovely, and uh, thank you for sharing your experiences with us, and you know, embarrassing the hell out of Clara talking about college. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Um, is there anything you wanted to plug before we sign off? Uh, I don't think so. Just um, anybody that happens to be in the area should definitely check it out. Um, you know, we're we have some great sponsors and. Uh, it's going to be awesome. So, so check it out on, you know, whatever the Red Hook Crit Facebook or redhookcrit.com. Like I said, that app, Race Day. Um, Red Hook Crit Race Day app, which I'm going to be getting. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that should be, that should be pretty fun. That's always very cool. Um, and uh, we're pretty excited. And it's, you know, less than, oh, geez, it's like five days away now. So, uh, you know, that's uh, getting to be, now I'm getting like the, the pre race jitters, even though I'm not racing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap, we gotta get this podcast out soon. <laughs> I know, I gotta get up and stop being lazy. But, but yeah, so so that's what's happening. And uh, shoot me a link to your podcast when it goes up. And uh, how we'll, can we follow there. you on Twitter? Yeah, yeah, sounds good. What, how, or, how can we follow you on Twitter, Casey? Oh, how can you follow me on Twitter? Um, at K Manders, which is M A N D E R Z. Yes. And, uh, and uh, Clara, and how can, can we find- follow you on Twitter? Whoa, uh, okay, I'm I'm at Fern Coyote, and I'm gonna talk for Kyle and say that he's at Captain Antibody. <laughs> and, Claire, uh, Clara doesn't like my my announcing voice. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, thanks so much, uh, and good luck with the race. And we will be. Um, I I wasn't gonna say cheering for you, but that would be weird. But I'll I'm still gonna cheer for you. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, great, great to talk with you guys today, and uh, yeah, hopefully you'll you'll stay posted on what's happening. Hopefully, I know I will. And uh, thank you again, everybody. So good night.